We all need encouragement, motivation, and inspiration in our life. Each week, Patty will interview guests who will motivate and inspire you through their unique personal and professional experiences. I listen, my mom listens, pretty much the whole family. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. It's drastically changed my life. All of your senses will wake up as you listen to this scrumptious podcast that is sure to tickle your eardrums. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Wake Up with Patty Catter starts now. Hey, everybody. I am really excited to say that we have Sean Gassaway on the show today. Sean, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm here in Perdido Key, Florida for the uh, Frank Brown Songwriters Festival. And uh, I'm going to be here 10 days and uh, in the fun in the sun on the beach uh, playing songs we wrote with uh, about 200 other hit songwriters. So it's going to be fun times. That is awesome. Yeah, for all of our listeners out there, Sean is a award-winning songwriter, uh, singer, publisher, record producer, or record executive. How is that? Or both? Is it both? Both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, <laughs> and your nickname is Gasoline. Yeah, they call me Gasoline. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming because of your um, last name, Gasoline. No, I had, a, um, I had a record label executive in Los Angeles uh say man every time you every time you touch a song it catches fire so your name is gasoline i I can totally see that because i've seen you play the guitar (laughs) oh that's sweet thank you (laughs) yeah so if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about um just a little bit about yourself your childhood kind of where you grew up Mm -hmm. i grew up in a little town called escataba mississippi which is about uh eight miles north of the gulf coast in mississippi and uh I started picking around on my dad's guitar uh, when I was around 13 or 14 years old. My dad had an old guitar uh, in his closet that he never touched for whatever reason. And so uh, I went in there and stole it, took it to my bedroom, and kind of just started picking around on it and figuring out how to play it. <clears throat> you know, by listening to the radio, I would, uh, you know, learn chords on my own and a lot of the chords I thought I was making up, like my own personal chords, you know, they're just regular old chords. But uh, I was telling myself that, that I was creating new music, even at that young of an age. And uh, uh, I wrote my first song at 14. Uh, just it was inspired by a butter commercial. <laughs> Back then, they used to have this butter commercial that came on and it said, uh, because it's what's in your heart that counts. You know, that was kind of the last line of the commercial. And I was like, Man, that sounds like a good line for a song. And so I kind of wrote a song that, that had that line or something like that line in it. Uh-huh. And uh, it just kind of started there. You know, I was just a regular, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s kid, you know, loved uh, hair band music, loved uh, good old stone cold country music. And, uh, you know, my, my mother's side of the family were gospel singers. So, uh, you know, I had that enriched in me and uh and of course uh rap was super popular so uh and still is but you know rap was kind of growing a lot of uh popularity at the time so i loved the rap music so i was just you know it was a cool time to be a teenager was during those years because all this you know authentic and really great music was uh was presented to us you know and so it kind of really uh 
shoved itself down in my heart, if I could say it like that, and uh, gave me a gave me a great foundation to work with when I started writing songs. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, did you have the '80s mullet? No, my hair's too curly. <laughs> I even had a rat. Uh, my mom let me have a rat tail one time, but it looked like a little piggy tail because it <laughs> wouldn't grow long. It just kind of hung up there with the rest of my hair. Uh, the, the girls back then would like to pull on it and twirl their finger in it, you know, cause it was curly, but, uh, but no, no mullets. I just, uh, if I let my hair grow out, it looked like an Afro. So I had to, and I still wear it short to this day. I just can't let it grow out. It's just, uh, uh, my mom's side of the family, uh, has real curly hair like that. And, and I was struck with it. My brother, on the other hand, he got my dad's side of the family's hair, which is straight as a board you know he could my brother could have the cooler he you know he my brother was a skateboarder so he had the you know the long bangs and the you know the skater haircuts i could have never pulled that off i just i wouldn't i wasn't lucky enough to have that kind of hair (laughs) (laughs) so so you go through um teenage years in the best in my opinion some of the best years ever in history and so i assume you're going through high school are you thinking i'm gonna be a uh traveling singer and i'm gonna become famous i mean did you ever have those thoughts no uh it was more of you know and and it's kind of where our generation really can relate to the youth of today you know i was being in south mississippi there's not a whole lot of things to do my dad uh was a self-employed he was a marine and when he come out of the marine corps uh, when I was little, 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 a baby little, uh, when he got out of the Marine Corps, you know, he took a stab at working at the shipyards. I mean, that's really the only places you had to work down there at the time was, you know, building a ship or something on the water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't his cup of tea. So uh, his gift was carpentry. You know, he could build, uh, you know, do anything with wood, you know. And so he took a gamble and started his own business. And we were, you know, I remember many a days we ate either deer meat or fish because, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of money being made at the time. And, uh, but he always provided for us, you know? And so when I was a teenager, you know, my fear was, man, am I going to have to go through all this, you know? And, uh, there's really not a whole lot of places to work. Uh, you know, so I really, I, I didn't think about music much at all at, the, at that moment. You know, I was trying to figure out more of how the heck am I going to get out of this town? You <laughs> know? And, uh, you know, what am I going to do from there? And so uh, I was still writing, and some of my buddies and I were getting together and playing a little music, but we were doing it for the girls. I'm not going to lie. We, they, we, you know, we had no intentions of being these big rock stars. We liked sitting by the campfire, playing our guitars and seeing some pretty girl look at us and smile. You know, that was kind of what we were up for. And uh, and uh, But it kind of grew from there. You know, when people in our community and in our hometown – and even in our rival hometowns, uh, you know, they would come see us play and say, man, we really like what y'all are doing, you know. So it kind of grew from there. And when I really started thinking, man, there might be something to this, you know. Uh, uh, but as soon, uh, most of us, as soon as we all got out of high school, uh, you know, there were a few of us that went to college, but a lot of us learned to trade. I, I learned how to be an electrician. And so I went to work at the shipyard, you know, because that was basically the only source of income. If you wanted to have anything, you had to go work. And so, uh, uh, so we all did that and we played our music in the evenings, you know, and so, you know, 
escaping the shipyard was our main goal. We really didn't care how we did it. <laughs> that's the, you know, that's the God honest truth right there. If I could say it any better, but, uh, when did you start playing on stage? Uh, in around 94 is when we actually put a band together, me and my friends. And, uh, it was called the union and we started playing clubs and, and little nightclubs and we had all just turned, you know, old enough to get in these clubs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, uh, we started playing the clubs and we went from playing in front of, I remember playing at a place called Hurleywood. It was in Hurley, Mississippi. And so instead of calling the bar Hollywood, they call it Hurleywood. I remember playing in this little old bar and we only had like six songs that we knew and we played the six songs over and over again because everybody there that was here loved it. You know, I was like, play it again, play it again. And so we just grew our, uh, you know, we grew our catalog and, uh, and we started playing out and getting real popular, but you know, as mo you know, 99% of all bands break up. That's just the way it is. You know, you got different egos in the band. You got people wanting to go different, uh, different, uh, directions with their music, you know, and things like that. Uh, my girlfriend and I at the time, Melissa, I had started dating, uh, Melissa when we were in high school and we kind of dated on and off all the way throughout. Well, her and I had got more serious at that time and we decided to get married and we had a child. So, and we were still really young, but you know, at that time in history and you know, it wasn't uncommon, you know, down in Mississippi to be married young and have to start a family. And so I was like, man, I'm gonna take a break from the band. You know, I, I'll help manage and, and, you know, I'll give you all my gig contacts, but I just kind of took a step away from the band thing because I wanted to focus more on, uh, providing for the family and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, uh, and then that band turned into another band and that band turned into another band and it turned into the rock group that everybody knows now called three doors down. No and so, way. Uh, yeah. Well, and so, this, fun. yeah, it is cool. So basically the, the old rock band, I mean, the old country rock band we had called the union, uh, three doors down at that time, it's a different band now, but at that time, uh, Brad, uh, who's the lead singer at Three Doors Down, even today, Brad and Matt Roberts, who was one of the original guitars, uh, they came in and joined the guys that were in my band, and uh, they, that's where Three Doors Down was started, pretty much, kind of. And so, uh, yeah, and, and we all jammed. We wrote together. We, uh, uh, you know, we used to meet each other's uh, homes and write songs and just jam, and then uh they would go out i bought a little studio in my house and put it in my house and so they'd come over and i'd record them you know and uh you know it was just all good fun times you know and then uh, uh then they wrote kryptonite and recorded it and you know that's history you know that, there's your rock and roll history right there they took off mm -hmm. and so uh you know and we still uh we still write and jam and hang out together today uh uh uh, most of them, uh, moved up to Nashville, Tennessee area, and we got a recording studio up there. So we do a lot of work up there and you know, where we live in Tennessee now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just a brief little rock and roll history for you there. <laughs> yeah, That's really interesting. I never really knew their history and it's awesome how it meshes with your history. Cause you're just an amazing person. And yeah, we all grew up together in the same little town, you know, and it's, uh, uh you know, uh, you know, to every good side, there's bad, you know, there's some, you know, there's some tragedy in that story that, you know, I'm not going to get into today. Uh, but, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm just proud that all of us 
or have the opportunity and still have the opportunity to make music to heal people. You know, that's the big thing. That, which is what I love about your music. You're, you have an Thank album you. ready to drop. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Uh, just a brief backstory, uh, brief backstory. I'm sorry. Uh, I was in Louisiana back in April had a, uh, music festival called songs on the Bayou. And it, that's exactly what it was. We were playing, we were playing our music right on the bayou. I mean, it, you couldn't get no further into the bayou unless you was in it and uh, a waist deep in it. You know what I'm saying? And so I was at the Songs on the Bayou Festival. And uh, I was also given a music business seminar uh, about publishing and record label ownership for independent folks. And, uh, and so they had this uh, Bayou Music Summit is what it was called. And so I was given the seminar and, uh, and during the same festival, they were doing a concert of light, a night for veterans in that city. And, uh, so there were some veterans in town that they were honoring. And then there were two guys from California, Mike Riccio and Daniel Kamzan, K-A-M-Z-A-N. Uh, I always have trouble saying his name. <laughs> I want to say Kazman, you know, but that's not it. It's Kamzan, Daniel Kamzan. But, uh, but Mike and Daniel approached me after my seminar and said, man, we heard uh, through the grapevine that uh, you write with PTSD sufferers and wounded warriors and, and folks like that to help in their therapy. And I said, yeah, I've been really blessed to uh, be asked to do that sometimes. And they were like, well, can you spare us an hour or two? We'd like to tell you our story. And I was like, absolutely. So we went deep in the middle of the swamp to a friend of mine's guest house and uh I mean, it sits right on the water. It's a beautiful place. And uh, we went and sat there, and Mike and Daniel were telling me their story. Uh, they had served some together, and they become good friends. And when they got out, they kind of just stayed connected, you know. And uh, uh, so they were telling me their story about their service. And, and the main thing that really stuck out to me was uh, one of them said, you know, we, we might have won our battles over there, but we lost our inner peace. And I thought, man, what a, that's a powerful statement. So I said, that's the song we're going to write. And so we sat down and, and it was almost like God opened up, you know, and that's how I write just to throw that out there. I'm, I'm just, a, uh, I graduated from high school. I really didn't do much of any college at all. Uh, I'm not smart enough or bright enough to really write some of the songs I write. So it comes from somewhere else and I know where it comes from and I've accepted that, you know, and so uh, you know, so when, when they said the inner peace line to me, I was like, Oh my God, we got to write that. It was like, God opened my heart up and just poured the words and me melody and the music on paper. Just, I mean, it all just come out and Michael and Daniel were looking at me going, Holy, you know, we wrote the song in like 30 minutes, honestly. And, uh, you know, and, and I kept verifying with them, you know, is this, you know, is this a fair statement, you know, poetically of how, uh, you see your story going and they was like, yeah, man, it was like, you know, they were like, man, it's like, you know, our story right now, you know? And so I wrote this song with them and, uh, and I asked them, I was like, what's your favorite music? And both of them was like rock, you know? And most people in the business knows me for country and rock and soul kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I said, okay, we'll do a rock song. I was like, who's your favorite band? And they told me, you know, Disturbed, Five Finger Death Punch, all these great rock bands they're uh, fans of. And I said, well, let's just write something in that vein, you know? So this whole song just dropped out of me. And uh, I turned my phone on and recorded it in my phone. And 
and we were all just sitting there in amazement of how cool it was, you know. And so uh, about two weeks later, after I went back home to Nashville, uh, I called my buddy Greg Upchurch. He's uh, he's currently in the band Three Doors Down, but he's played drums for Chris Cornell. Uh, he was the drummer in Puddle of Mud when they were super successful and popular. Uh, and then he joined the Three Doors Down group. He's been with them for about 10 years or shoot, maybe 15 years now. And uh, so I called Greg and I was like, man, I want you to hear this song. I think we can do something with it. So I sent him uh, my recording from my phone to him. And he immediately called me back. He said, Sean, we got to record this. He said, this is, he said, I can hear the drums in my head on how the song needs to be. He said, let's do it. And so I reached out to a friend of mine. His name's Josh Paul. Josh is a bass player. He's like a legendary bass player. He played with uh, Infectious Grooves, Suicidal Tendencies. Right now he's on tour with Daughtry. So, I mean, he's, he's a hot commodity bass player. I called him. I was like, man, if you got a free day, come record this song with me. So he came in. Uh, I reached out to uh, some other friends of mine, Chet Roberts from Three Doors Down, guitarist, uh, Dylan Forrester, who's in the Brock group, Picturesque in Lexington, Kentucky. They're a hot up-and-coming band. Dylan's only like 23 years old, maybe, just a young guitar phenom. And uh, So I called all these uh, cool cats, and we went in the studio and recorded the song Inner Peace. And, uh, and you know, I sent the recording to Mike and Daniel, and they were like, oh my god you know that our story has really come to life you know and uh i could tell at that moment you know there was a moment of them being touched the day we wrote it and then there's a separate moment the day they heard it actually recorded and all these major rock star musicians are playing on it you know what i'm saying and so uh i sang my ass off just to give it just do it justice you know i i, I thought that's the least i could do was put myself in that vein and do it and it turned out dang good, you know. I, nice, I was surprised. Yeah. I was like, man, I, I'm, I can do this rock thing again. I mean, I did it back in the late '80s, early '90s. You know, it's kind of where I cut my teeth as in rock. But you know, to hear myself on 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 the record, uh, singing it, you know, I kind of surprised myself, you know, because I'm really hard on myself about singing, and uh, and I push myself to do the best I can. And so, you know, so that's where Inner Peace was created. And I really didn't know what to do with it. You know, I said, it's just one song, you know, and there's really no follow-up. And, and God touched my heart again. And he said, man, you're doing something. You know, I didn't give you the song for nothing. You know, there's a purpose for everything. And so he put it on my heart to uh, do a whole album. And so it's a concept album uh, like they used to do back in the old days in rock. You know, I remember you used to buy a rock album and read the uh, liner notes on a vinyl record and it kind of told a story, you know, every song, it was like reading a book almost. And I said, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something like that. I'm going to do a concept album where half of the songs, which I call the A side, it's going to be about the lost, like inner peace. You know, it's a story about these guys and what they lost, you know, so half of the songs are going to be about uh, the lost and side B, the other half of the album is going to be about hope and redemption because the biggest thing I try to tell anyone I speak with is there's hope no matter how dark of you know no matter where you end up no matter how dark the place is or anything there is hope and uh, you can be redeemed you can come out of it you can break free from it uh, if you put your you know you just 
you have to believe in it, you know? And so, uh, so that's what my whole album, and it'll be out next year. I'm just releasing inner peace tonight, uh, or I'm releasing it now, but, uh, the album will come out later next year in 2020. I'm really excited to hear the whole thing because I'm, I was privileged to hear your song inner peace. And I was floored uh-huh. because um, to all of our listeners out there, I was at a concert this past weekend and it was all country. So when mm-hmm. you sent me that recording and it was rock, I was blown away for one because I wasn't expecting that to come out of your mouth. Like it was amazing. I love rock music uh-huh. um, and I, I love all sorts of music, but that song was just amazing and i love how um it's relatable to so many people too so our veteran community definitely it's relatable but i do think just people with everyday struggles can relate to that song so i love it for that too um so i we're getting up on time but i did i'm going to put you on the spot here because i know how um you love telling this story i just would love it if you could do a quick rundown of your pork chop story because I was oh (laughs) yeah I was telling Adam Bird on the decision hour um that about your story because I thought it was like hilarious and I love it um but if you could just give us a quick rundown on that that would be fun absolutely uh it's it's a true story 100 percent nothing fabricated about that I was at the Cracker Barrel with my family uh uh to eat breakfast several years ago and the waitress approached me and she said, can I take your order? And I looked at her and I said, give me that pull chop, 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 chop. And I started moving my hands like I was dancing. And uh, my wife and my oldest daughter were just shaking my heads like, they were shaking their heads like, oh my God, please stop. And I was sitting there, give me that chop, chop, chop. And my youngest daughter grabbed the salt shaker and she started going, season that. So we were like, pull chop, season that, pull chop, season that. And, and it was just so funny. And uh, it was embarrassing. It, it it did everything I wanted it to do at that moment, you know. And uh, and a few weeks later, uh, Cowboy Troy, uh, who is a country rap uh, artist, hip hop is what we call it. Uh, he's with the group Big and Rich as well. He gave me a call and he said, man, I'm going to do some shows. Uh, would you like to ride with me and, and do some opening uh, performances? And I was like, absolutely. So I went on the road with him. And while we were on the tour bus traveling to Illinois, I looked at him. I said, you like pork chops, Troy? And he goes, man, I love pork chops. And if you don't know who Troy is, he's six foot eight. He's a huge man, but he's a bear. He's, I mean, you can hug him. He's just a great person. But he was like, man, I love pork chops. And I was like, well, let me hear, play you this hook. And I sang it to him. And as soon as we got back home, we met up with my, uh, also my buddy, Michael Garvin, who was a hit songwriter in his own right. He wrote the song Waiting for the Night for Jennifer Lopez, for instance, just a monster songwriter. So when we got back in town, we hooked up with Michael and we sat in a hotel room and we wrote the whole song. And it was just, you know, it was two hours of just nonstop laughter. And, you know, because we thought, man, what a, this would be a great comedy song. We went in the studio and recorded it. And like I said, it was this jo- like a joke song, you know. We went to the studio and recorded it uh, with Michael. And uh, the National Port Board heard about it. And they went and met Troy at one of his shows in the Midwest. And, you know, they said, hey, we heard the Pork Chop song. How can we be partners? And, uh, you know, everything kind of came together. All the dots connected and they used it in a bunch of television commercials and their radio ads. And they did these cool little YouTube videos for their uh, advertising for their uh, pork farmers. And 
it just it turned into something really big, you know, and no matter what town I go to, even this weekend when we were in uh, Virginia, you know, I had a young lady come up to me uh, before the show, before I even sang it. You know, she said, you're the pork chops thing, uh, guy that wrote that, co-wrote it. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, my kids dance to that song in the living room every day. They know every word to it. And I'm like, oh, man, that touches my heart. <laughs> that is awesome. What I love about you is just your whole entire story. You come up, you know, you're this good old country boy growing up and um, you pursue your love of music and you're helping military veterans. And then you're you're doing fun things like your pork chop song. And I just love um, how you are just so you're probably one of the most well-balanced people I've ever met. <laughs> so I appreciate you being oh. on the show. I am, I'm just, I think that your story is really encouraging because it tells people no matter what your background is, no matter what your upbringing is, you know, you talked about your um, family being hard, you know, your dad was really hardworking and um, mm -hmm. so you come from humble beginnings and you're just doing a fantastic job. And I love your music. I love your attitude. You're just a great example of how when somebody wants to do something and sets their mind to it, they can do it. So thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. I always tell people that my dad builds homes and I build songs. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I take that to heart, you know, and, and the biggest thing, if, if I can end this by saying is, Every one of us have some type of gift in this, whether you believe it or not. You know, every one of us has a purpose here. And uh, and we shouldn't let anything or anyone take that away from us. But you have to dig deep down and really believe in yourself and, and, and have faith in something higher than what we are. And, you know, I'm not going to get real religious on y'all or nothing, but I'm just saying you got to have faith in something that's bigger than what we are and, and just truly, be truly believe and know that, you have purpose, you know, you do have purpose. And so go for it. Just do it. Thank you. Could you um, mm -hmm. share your social media links with our listeners, please? Absolutely. You can find me on SeanGassaway.com and I spell my name like Sean Connery. That's S-E-A-N-G-A-S-A-W-A-Y. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, now you can do a search on me using uh, my alias gasoline. Uh, but if you just type in Sean Gassaway, it'll take you to all of my social uh, social media links. And uh, it's SeanGassaway.com. I think I've already said that. But uh, I'm out there on YouTube and everything. So uh, uh, hit the little contact button or send me a message or do whatever and say hello and let me know you're out there listening. Thank you, Sean. And I'll be sure to post the links on all of our social media as well. So thank you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And y'all need to wake up with Patty every day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. Be sure to visit www.pattycatter.com for the latest podcasts, articles, and swag. Also, be sure to follow Patty on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Patty Catter. At Patty Catter.